Hey guys, how are y'all this afternoon, early evening? Glad you're here. If you want to just imagine that you're on the beach somewhere for spring break in this moment, you can get relaxed. Uh, there's a few extra chairs. You can turn a few around and kick your legs up. Uh, we've got some Bibles for you. If you don't have one of these, hadn't got one, want one, this is our Ephesians journal. Raise your hand. That'll give you one. This is just our gift to you. Um, so take that, and we'll be using that throughout the sermon today. I'm excited. We are going to finish chapter one today in our Love Incorruptible series. Uh, so we've been working through Ephesians in the um, just early stages of it, trying to get an understanding of what Paul is setting the table for the rest of our time together as he gets into some more specifics and how to live. This is a lot of um, foundational um, doctrine and theology for us. We were uh, in the midst of a really, really long sentence that uh, was a just a stream of consciousness for Paul uh, as he as he has praised God. And uh, today we're going to get into another long sentence, but we're going to do it all in one day this time instead of over three weeks. Okay, so uh, let's read that together if you have your Bible. Uh, Chapter 1, starting in verse 15. So Paul turns from praise to an actual prayer for uh, us, really, because as we've said, this is a circular letter. This is a letter that's meant for uh, all the churches It wasn't to a specific church, and we can just insert community church into uh, his prayer, into his uh, words early in Ephesians, and and say it's not just for the Ephesian church, it's for us as well, and there's so much that's going to apply to us, and so let's see what God uh, has for us as Paul prays this over us. For this reason, talking about all the praise, all the things that he said, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus And your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then here's his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all." Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that in this moment um, that you would speak loud and clear to our individual hearts as well as our collective heart as a church, and that you would uh, illuminate your word to us today. Um, we, We ask and we confess and we plead with you for your uh, guidance uh, into all truth and righteousness as we encounter your living word today, in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so what, what are you praying for right now in your life? Uh, just think about some, some things that 
are regularly occurring in your prayer life? What things that uh, maybe are really heavy on you? Uh, maybe you're praying for uh, some some life change, uh, some big decisions that are coming up, uh, some financial stress, uh, some job stuff. Um, praying for a future spouse, uh, praying for your marriage, praying for your kids, praying for your parents, hopefully. Uh, you know, just what, are, what are some things that have been just kind of coming up for you and, and as you've talked to God? Uh, or is there anything? I mean, maybe there's not. Maybe this is just a time of reflection to say, I really haven't been praying that much. Um, that's okay. Uh, Paul is going to help us with some of that because... I want us to think about what we should be praying for. And so if you don't know what to pray for, if you've just kind of been stuck in your prayer life, uh, which is real easy to do, uh, to just kind of not know what to do with talking to God sometimes, not know how to, how to spend time with God, not know what that intimacy is supposed to look like and bring uh, as you just get honest and get real with God. Sometimes we, because we don't want to be too honest, because we, we don't want the curtain to be pulled back too much, because we spend a lot of time just kind of propping ourselves up, uh, we, we avoid prayer. We don't want to pray uh, that, that much because it causes us to have to be honest because we know we can't hide from God. So just think about what, what should I be praying for and, and, uh, and then as we talk, hopefully Paul is going to help us with some things that we could be praying for because this prayer right here is if you don't, if you don't know what to pray for, if you haven't been praying, it would be a great place to just start just to pick up in, uh, in verse 17 through 19 and just make that your prayer for a while and just see what God does with that. That would be a really cool thing to do a really good thing to do for, for all of us uh, as individuals and as, uh, as community church. So what Paul is praying for basically is, is two things, and then out of those two things, he wants us to know four things, and then out of those four things, he's got four more things he wants to kind of describe for us, which is typical of Paul. He just kind of goes from one thing to the next, and, uh, and, and he does that especially in these two passages that we've been looking at uh, where it's just a long sentence. And like I said, this, this whole passage, 15 through 23, is another in the Greek, one sentence. So uh, just kind of keep in mind that Paul's just kind of going with God here. So vi- verse 15, uh, let's, let's set some background uh, for it, and then we'll get into the prayer. Paul says, for this reason, again, that the, everything he's been saying in verses uh, 3 through 14, for this reason, all those great things about God, all those truths about God, because those things are true, I want to pray this over you. I want this for you, is what Paul is saying to them. And he, and he says, I, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Uh, remember when we looked at John's uh, letter to the church in Ephesus and, uh, and that, that in Revelation, where um, he was... Jesus was speaking to the, the, the seven churches and, and about Ephesus. He said that uh, I've heard of, of your great faith. I've heard of the, the good things that you do. Uh, but, and so he, 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 this church was doing uh, a lot of good things. But uh, remember what he called, that, called them out on? That they had lost their first love. That they had kind of 
gotten distracted from what was really the most important. And I think that that's something that Paul is trying to pray on the front end. That, that's revelation. That's kind of looking back. Uh, Paul is trying to pray this now for them uh, in the early stages because he knew that, that that's going to happen. He, knew, he knows, God knows that we're going to struggle in this life. God knows that, that you're going to be up and down with him sometimes. And you may be up right now, and that's awesome. And we need you to be up, and we need that to be infectious. We need you to share when you're up. We need you to, to not hold on to that uh, in calm group or in worship or uh, in conversation. Uh, that's the, the, the body at work. You, you need to be sharing those things that God's doing and, and sharing that excitement. And then some of you are down, and, and that's okay, and it needs to be a safe place for you to be down and to, to say things aren't great and to just be honest and to struggle uh, with one another. So uh, I don't know why I said all that, but um, Paul <laughs> says that, uh, that, that, that he has... Uh, heard of their great faith and, and their love toward all the saints. So as they're living out faith, uh, a big component of that is loving one another. Uh, the, the saints are the, the fellow believers, the Christians, uh, the, the church. And so he's, he's commending them for how well they have loved one another. We need to continue to keep that ideal before us. That, that we should be about loving one another. Yes, God wants us to love the world uh, and to be out in it and to be affecting change in it and to be loving uh, our neighbors, but he evidently really thinks it's important for us to get it right here, to get it right with the people that are next to you in this room uh, and in your come groups and, and the, the believers that you're in contact with on a regular basis, your family uh, even, uh, if they're believers, that you are loving each other well. That's something that's going to bring, bring praise to God. That's something that, that God is going to notice and wants us to be about. And so Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, uh, remembering you in my prayers for those things. Uh, he is grateful. Paul, as someone who is laying the foundation for the church, uh, loves to see that kind of stuff happening, loves to see that, he, that, that God's children are uh, loving one another, that they have faith, and they're exercising that faith. And so uh, he continues to thank God for that, but he knows that prayers are needed, that persecution is coming, that hard times are coming, that uh, it's not always going to be easy for them. And they were already starting to experience some of this. So Paul prays in verse 16, um, in verse 17, for two things, basically. The first one uh, is for spiritual discernment. And we, that should sound familiar if you were here last week, because that's what uh, we talked about. Uh, in the Holy Spirit giving us spiritual discernment. So we recognized and we talked about how that's a present gift from, from the Lord. Uh, that in, in Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit and the capacity to, to have wisdom, to have uh, enlightenment, to have understanding, uh, to be able to do right things. And so uh, that was a recognition that Paul was praising God for, we should be praising God for that, that he's given us that. But this is Paul praying that we would have it. So 
you, you have to kind of understand that the, there's a possibility that we don't always live in it. Just because we have it, we don't always recognize it. We don't always draw from that power. And so uh, if you go back and, and read uh, the, the praise, the doxology that Paul has just given, it's crazy that we don't. Uh, but Paul immediately turns the corner here and says, I want you to have this. I want you to know this. Uh, this is important. So spiritual discernment is one of the things he prays for us. And then the second thing is spiritual enlightenment uh, in verse 18. And so uh, as we have talked about wisdom and revelation and said that's basically the ability to, to see into the heart of things um, was the definition of wisdom. And then uh, discernment or revelation was to know what God wants us to do with that. So enlightenment is kind of this ongoing idea of living in, in that, living with our eyes wide open to the Spirit. And, and so Paul wants, us, wants them, wants us to not just get it that we have this ability, but he wants us to get it that it's available to us all the time, that, that the way that God sees things is accessible to us, that we can see things the way God sees them. Uh, we can at least touch on that. I, I realize that we're not going to have the fullness of that until we get uh, to the other side. But uh, in this life, we have been given this gift, a supernatural ability in the Spirit of God to be able to see things the way he is working them out, to be in touch with that. And obviously our sin gets in the way of that often, right? And, and we have to continually keep coming back to that. We don't live in that moment uh, if you've been in that moment for like an extended period of time, you know how sweet that is, but you also know how easy it is to, to fall off that and, and to, to not be able to, to get to it again as easily as it may have come. But Paul is praying that we would have that, that we would have an ongoing uh, eyes wide open to the, the heart of God, to the things that he's about. And so as he prays those uh, two things, he, um, he wants us to, to know that there are uh, four, four things. Um, so that we will is, is kind of where uh, the, the spiritual discernment and the enlightenment uh, that is going. He, he wants us to, to do something with this. He wants us to be able to, to live in this way. And so uh, the first of those is back in verse 17, to know Jesus, in the knowledge of him, uh, the, the ESV says. Uh, other translations say to, to, to know Jesus, to know him better. So as we pray for and as we live into spiritual discernment and enlightenment, the, the purpose of that is to know him better, to know Jesus better. That, I mean, we we should be able to just stop there and everything else just flows from that, right? Uh, we, we need to have that, that connection, that close relationship to the Lord. And so by having spiritual discernment, by having spiritual enlightenment, we will touch on that in greater ways. You will know Jesus like you've never known him before as the Spirit opens your eyes to the way that God is working in your life 
in the peoples around you, in the, in the world around you. And then secondly, he wants us to know the hope. In verse 18, see what it says. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You have been called out. We've, we've talked about that as saints, uh, that he has, he's separated you from the world. And he, in this calling, uh, we, we have hope. He, he wants us to know this hope. This is our struggle in kind of the, the here but not there, uh, that we haven't realized everything about uh, where uh, God has positioned us in Christ. But there is hope that we gain from Scripture. There is hope that we gain from uh, being in touch with the Holy Spirit in our life. He's going to, to bring hope. So if there's not a lot of hope in your life right now, back up and pray for the Holy Spirit because he's going to bring that. He's going to bring that kind of life to, where you can see that, that the, the stuff that's going on, uh, the, the circumstances of your life are not uh, anywhere near uh, the power uh, and, and the majesty of God that, that he has for you in, in all eternity and that you have access to right now. So uh, hope is, um, is one of the things that, that we know when we're in touch with the Spirit, when we're discerning and enlightened in the Spirit. And then verse 18 goes on to say, also, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, he's talked about our inheritance a lot up to this point. What he's talking about here is not our inheritance. What he's talking about here is that we, that you, are God's inheritance. And so, again, uh, the, the, the whole confidence thing, the whole uh, identity that we have, that, that Paul wants us to have, that the Lord wants you to have, is, is vital to your Christian life, to know who you are, and, and to know that you are God's inheritance, that he sees you in, in this way, that, that, that Jesus thinks of you in this way, that Jesus knows you in this way, that he is looking forward to that day when it all comes together. And, and that's his inheritance, that you are, are his inheritance. He wants you to know that as he prays this over you. And then finally in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Paul changes gear. He's been talking about you. He's been praying, this, but he includes himself on this one. So he's really, he says, this is a good one. I want in on this uh, power thing. Uh, what is that all about? The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And this is the end of his prayer. So Paul so kind of wraps up his prayer, and then he goes on to kind of explain some things. So what is that power? Uh, what, are, what are the characteristics of this power? These aren't necessarily different kinds of power, so don't see it... Th that way as much as to see it as characteristics of God's power that you have access to. So these four things are, are characteristics of God's power that he has given to you in the Holy Spirit. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit uh, is, is all about. So what is that? The first one is, is just sheer physical power. Verse 20. 
according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The ability to raise Jesus from the dead, God's power to do that, to go against what seems like the way things are supposed to work, the, the, the physical laws that we uh, think that we know uh, about life and death and everything else in between. Uh, God has the power to do what he wants to do, to make things happen. And so just from, again, the, the, the confidence of who you are uh, and, and, and what kind of power you have access to, this is the God this is the kind of power that, that he has. Now, does that mean he's going to do those things just because we pray for them? Uh, that, that he's going to bring healing every time that we ask for it? Or he's going to, to, to bring that answer that we're looking for? No, not necessarily. But the, the power exists to do it. And so you pray, we pray with that knowledge, with that understanding that God can do this. I know that he is capable, uh, and, and we don't doubt that. We don't have to doubt that because he can, he can raise Jesus from the dead. So we go to him, and we start with, with that kind of confidence in our prayers to pray knowing that he has power over the physical world. And then in verse 20, he goes on and says, um, and seated him, talking about Jesus, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Uh, This is is God's uh, positional power. In in Christ, you have positional power. He he has been seated at the right hand of God. Okay, so God has recognized the work of Jesus. So everything that we talk about in, in salvation and what he's done for us, God recognizes that work as being from him, he puts Jesus at his right hand and, and says, this is, the, this is the kind of power that you have access to in the Holy Spirit. Positional power. Uh, you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. He, remember, he promised us that. And so uh, we have access to that. So as you pray, as you pray for more of the Holy Spirit, as you pray for more wisdom and enlightenment, uh, pray that God would give you that understanding of, of who you're praying to uh, in, in Jesus. In Christ, you have full access to the throne. There's nothing in between. He's paid the debt. He's redeemed you. You're, you're, you're one of his. There's nothing. Your sin cannot keep you from that kind of fellowship, from that kind of access. He's already, he's already taken care of that. So positionally, we have power. And, and then this is important, especially for their culture, uh, but also for ours, to understand that, that God's power is superior. Uh, skipping over to verse 22, we'll read verse 21, but it's just kind of elaborating uh, on uh, the positional power. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. So as these Ephesians and these people that, that lived in uh, the, the province of Asia Minor uh, are encountering many different forms of religion and uh, 
ways in which the, the, the state, the, the emperor is vying for their worship and, and occult practices where they have seen evil, uh, but yet they've, they've seen the power of that evil. There, there has to be a little bit of fear in them as they kind of try to walk in this Christian life. Uh, imagine if, you know, you haven't been following Jesus you don't really know who he is. And all you've seen is the power of the world. All you've seen is, is the, the power maybe of the demonic realm. Uh, do things uh, right before you that, that you saw with your own eyes. Uh, and, and now you're choosing to follow this new thing in Jesus. And it's going to mean that there's going to be problems with this other realm. And you've seen that power. And it scares you to think that when you start to follow the power of Jesus, is it going to be enough? Is it going to be able to, uh, to combat? Is it going to be able to, to hold its own? Is it going to be able to, to protect me, um, to, to, to lift me out of that? Uh, and some of you may be well in touch with that, just in the own, your own struggle of, of life right now. You see the, the evil forces working against you. You see the way in which the enemy is out to get you. And, and he's coming strong for you. As you, as you pray, as you, as you read the word, as you try to, to, to really live the Christian life, Expect that the enemy is going to come at you. Expect that it's not going to be an easy road. But all the more reason to pray this prayer and to trust that Paul, that the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is for you, that he's got your back, that his power, the power that you have access to in the Holy Spirit, is far superior than any of that stuff that's out there. Any of that stuff that is vying for your attention, your affection, or has held you hostage has, has sought to depress you, has sought to beat you down, has sought to cripple you in, in your physical nature, uh, to, to take you out of truly just living the life that God wants you to live. That the power in Jesus, where you sit as a believer in him, that you have access to in the Holy Spirit is superior to all that. May your prayers reflect that belief. Remember, we're talking about that this is just the foundational part of things, that we, God uh, wants us to begin to believe these truths so that we can set our minds uh, as to who we are and to what kind of confidence we have in him. That's going to guide our prayers. Things like this, things rem- uh, uh, that we will remember about the truth of God, that he is superior And then finally, uh, in verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He he gave this power to us, the church. It's a shared power. He has chosen to share this power with us, and he's done that in the form of his church, his bride, that he's coming back for. We collectively have access to a kind of power 
that doesn't exist anywhere else in this world. We can't, we can't get all the, the smartest minds in one room and have more power than what you have in this room right now in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? I mean, there ain't a whole lot of us here. And, and maybe some of the really good people are on spring break right now, and, and they didn't make it. And so maybe if we had those people here, we'd be okay. But, or maybe if some of those people hadn't left, hadn't, hadn't moved and gone to a different church, maybe we'd have uh, enough power, huh? Or, or, or maybe if we had all those college students back from, you know, 15 years ago, that we have all, all this power. God's bigger than all that. And no matter how weird or weak it seems sometimes that we are, God is continually saying things to us like this, that I have given you guys my power. Right here, you have everything that you need. You don't need X, Y, and Z. It's right here before you. You're just not accessing it. You're just not believing it. You're just not living in it. And so the, when, when, we, when we get serious about this, when we begin to, to really get on our knees and, and pray and be in communion for that kind of stuff, uh, that's when, when the, the Holy Spirit's going to be active the most. And, and, and we're going to see things that we, we maybe don't think are possible in and of ourselves. And I don't know whether that means numerical growth or it means that somehow uh, our ability is magnified. Like, uh, even though it, it seems like there's no way I could do anything else because I've got all these kids, you know, I, I'm just worn out and there, there's nothing else. Yes, amen, Brother Aaron. Uh, but, but God can supply. God can bring more capacity in the power of his Holy Spirit. When it, when it seems like we, just, we don't have any, enough money to do anything, uh, that, that God can supply in crazy ways. When, when you feel like you're just at the end of your creativity to know how to solve any kind of issues, and, and I'm speaking to myself right now too, and, and the elders, I mean, we... What's next? What, what does God want us to do? Um, we're, we're asking him fervently to show us in the power of the Holy Spirit what that is and believing that in the power of the Holy Spirit that, that whatever it is is beyond us and that we can accomplish it only because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need you to be praying for us to, to believe more so that we can pass on some of that belief in the form of the things that we talk about and the ways that we, the ways that we lead. And we need you to be believing it. We need to see evidence of it in your life, that, that you're not waiting for uh, some program or some directive from us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're just doing it, and that maybe we have to catch up to you to be able to say, we got to do something. These people are going crazy. We got to organize this to, to be able to, to, to get going and, and capture some of this for what God wants to do in, in the community, in the world. We have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Why, why doesn't it look like it more often? 
in this church or in any church, Christians, um, if these things are true, then it, it certainly seems like it should. But we are just so human and so messed up, and we just revert back to what's easy and what, what seems like it's easy because that's what the world tells us and because what our flesh tells us. And we've got to be on our knees asking for God's way, for that discernment, for that level of wisdom and understanding and enlightenment to see the world the way he sees it, to see your church the way he sees it, to see one another the way he sees them. That's when we'll really see power. So we've looked at a bunch of stuff uh, in chapter one. Um, and as we come to the close of it, I, I think this is like one of Paul's greatest contributions to theology, the, the metaphor of the body of Christ. And, and as we do this together, to think about how Christ is the, the head of that body uh, and, and how he supplies everything that we need in, in the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding and the enlightenment. And he uses us to accomplish his, his will on this earth. And that he's all in all. He has no limits. And that's what we have access to. As Paul wrote this letter from prison uh, and wanted us to uh, know what it means to be in Christ, um, and, and wanted us to know uh, what we've been talking about, kind of in summary, to look back, that we're a new society, that we, we're a new kind of people, uh, and, and our destiny, our, our life should be characterized by this incorruptible love uh, for God, for one another, for the world. And Paul's going to keep challenging us to, to believe this, uh, to, to really live like it, to really proclaim it, to really be able to stand firm in it uh, uh, until the end of time. Um, that he's given us, he's given you every spiritual blessing. That he's chosen you from the very beginning to be his people. And I'm just reviewing all of chapter one right now. I'm just kind of wanting this to wash over you one last time uh, before we break and sing some more. That he has adopted you. From the very beginning of time, he thought this up, that he wanted you in his family, and he's given you his blessing of sharing in the same eternal rewards as Jesus. That he's redeemed you from uh, a life of slavery to sin and death. He's bought you uh, with his own life in Jesus, which we will remember in just a moment as we take communion together. That he's forgiven all of our sins that he's removed them as far as the east is from the west, that he's cast them into the deepest depths of the ocean, that he has lavished us with his grace, his unmerited and inexhaustible love, that he's given us the spiritual ability to see things as they really are and to know and to act in this world in right ways, and that he sealed you. He's put his mark on you, not just a check mark, not just a tattoo, not just a T-shirt. He's put his mark on you by the presence of, of the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul prays for us to know and to believe and to live these things, praying that we'd really know who we are in Christ and that we'd really believe these truths and fully embrace, fully embrace what that new reality means for a group of people 
who have been given access to the majestic power of God. So what can we do with this? Just a, uh, I've got three things as we close out. They're not on the screen, so if you're taking notes, you can ask me later if I go through these too fast. But uh, it's just simple things. We need to pray more, period, uh, but there's more. We need to pray more. There's no doubt we need to pray more. Um, we need to pray more for more discernment, for more enlightenment, to see things the way God does. And we need to pray with more confidence when we pray because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Second thing, after we need to pray more, is we need to value the experience of church more. All this led up to Christ being the head, being given the church, Christ being given to the church. This is important to God, the way that in this era of of God's activity, the way he set it up, is for you, the church, for us, the church, to be in union with Christ and living this out in the world. So we need to value this experience more. We need to value the experience of our brothers and sisters and what you have to offer with your spiritual gifts for one another. And we need to exercise that for one another. And then third, pray, value the church, and be more thankful for one another. Just as simple as that. Paul started this prayer with, I thank God for all the cool things that I hear about you guys doing. And, and could we just like be that thankful for one another? It's easy to pick apart all the stuff that's wrong with one another, right? And all the stuff that's wrong with even yourself. Some of you are really hard on yourselves. But, and it's easy to be hard on the, on the church um, because it takes the focus off of us sometimes as individuals. But can we just really be thankful for what we have in one another? Um, because God's given you a gift in one another to be brothers and sisters. So we celebrate Jesus. We remember Jesus. We thank God for Jesus that makes this all possible, that makes the answer to this prayer a reality. And we're going to do that now as we remember him uh, in communion. So servers, you can come on up. This is your time um, to thank the Lord for all that he's done, for many of the things that we've talked about already that Paul has led us to worship him in. To just come and to receive the bread and remember the broken body that redeemed you, that bought you so that you could be his prize and to remember the shed blood in the cup as you dip that bread in the juice. That that blood brought about the forgiveness of your sins. And we don't do this just as individuals, though. We do it collectively. Because in this moment, we as a church say yes to Jesus. Come and receive.